God's word tonight. Remember to reverence the word of God. This is not like any other book. It is the word of God. Joshua chapter number 11, beginning with verse number 1. And it came to pass that when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things that he sent to Jobab, king of Madon, and to the king of Shimron, and to the king Akshaph, and the, to the kings that were on the north of the mountains and the plains south of Chinneroth, and the valley and the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Jebusite in the mountains, and to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpah. And they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with horses and chariots very many. When all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together in the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up, all slain before Israel. And thou shalt hew their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your power and your majesty. And Lord, how amazing it is to see you work. Lord, to do things that seem impossible, you are the God of the impossible. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we center on this portion of Scripture, that our hearts would be challenged to step out in faith even more than we have already. And Lord, see you do great things. Father, we thank you tonight. And Lord, pray that you'd bless in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A schoolmaster had given three of his pupils a difficult problem. He said, you know, you'll find it very hard to solve uh, this, particular, this particular problem. He says, but there is a way to solve it. After repeated attempts, the first uh, uh, one of them gave up in despair and says, there is no way. <laughs> he said, I'm done. The second pupil had not succeeded, yet he started smiling and he was unconcerned. And he said, I know it can be explained because I've seen it done before. The third pupil worked on uh, feverishly to get the job done. His brain was in a world. Have you ever had that? Where you're trying to work on something and your brain is spinning around. That's where this person, I mean, smoke was coming out of its ears. And he went over it again and again, but he didn't give up. He says, I know there is a way because the master has said it. That's what faith is. That confidence that rests not upon what is seen, but upon the promises of God. Folks, tonight I pray that you are resting upon the promises of God by faith. Faith, that word faith is used 231 times in the Bible. It's used only twice, though, in the Old Testament. 229 times the word faith is used in the New Testament. One might say that faith was not important in the Old Testament. Though the word faith was not used but twice in the Old Testament, it was just as important in the Old Testament 
as it was in the New Testament. Old saints were saved by faith in the Old Testament. Dr. Harry Ironside, for 18 years, pastored Moody Church in Chicago. He told of visiting a Sunday school class while he was on vacation. The teacher asked the students that were in the class, he said, how were people saved in the Old Testament times? After a pause, one man uh, said, well, um, by keeping the law. And the teacher said, well, that's right. But Dr. Ironside interrupted. He says, but my Bible says that by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. The teacher was a bit embarrassed, but he kept on teaching the class. He says, well, does anybody else have an idea? And another student replied, uh, they were saved by bringing sacrifices to God. And so the teacher said, yes, that's right. He tried to go on with the lesson, but Dr. Ironside interrupted. He says, my Bible says that the blood of bulls and of goats cannot take away sin. By this time, the unprepared teacher was sure that the visitor knew more about the Bible than he did. So he said, well, you tell us then how the people of the Old Testament were saved. Dr. Ironside explained, well, they were saved by faith, the same way that people are saved today. 21 times in Hebrews 11, you will find the same words, by faith. Old Testament saints, by faith, they put their trust in God. They put their trust in the Lord. We are saved today by faith. When we talk about being saved by faith, that Old Testament saints were saved by faith just as we are today. They looked forward to Jesus dying on the cross, and we look back at what Jesus Christ has already done for us on the cross. Today, we're living by faith if you're saved. Once a child of God, we are now to live by faith. Romans 1.17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. We are to live by faith. Whether in the Old Testament or New Testament, we find that believers are to live by faith. That word by in the Greek is the word ek. It means out of or from or by, by means of faith. Faith is that word pistis. It means conviction of the truth and belief. We're to live by the truth that God has given to us in the word of God. We're to build our life upon what God's word says. We're not to live by our feelings, but by the facts of God's word. We're to know what we believe and why we believe it. Jude speaks earnestly of contending for the faith. In fact, Jude 1.3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Hey, we're to stand up for the truth. We're to take a stand on the Lord's side. To believe what God says is true. Not what the world says, but what God says. We find Joshua and the elders, or the children of Israel, living by faith. They obeyed the Lord, and he gave them victory after victory. 
They had a conviction to listen to the words of the Lord and then to obey. They moved ahead in gaining ground by faith. We, as in our Christian life, are to be moving forward by faith. The message today is simply this, moving ahead by faith. Moving ahead by faith. I pray that it would cause us to live a life of conviction of the word of God. I'm living by faith. I want to please my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see as we look at this portion of Scripture tonight, first of all, the obstacle to be overcome by faith. In verses 1 through 5, we find Joshua and the nation of Israel were victorious in the south part of Canaan, but, and God had demonstrated his power in a mighty way. You know, God is a powerful God. Our God is a powerful God. Uh, people say, well, you know, I don't know whether God can do this or not. No, 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 you need to read the Bible and read verses about the power of God. For example, Job 42, verses 1 and 2. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. God can do everything. Everything. I like the little song. God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. He can save, he can keep, he can cleanse, and he will. God can do anything but fail. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. God can do anything, anything. Anything, God can do anything but fail. I hope you think about that. That's your God if you know Jesus today. Your God can do anything but fail. Deuteronomy 7.21, Thou shalt not be affrighted at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. Folks, you don't have to fear the world. You don't have to fear Satan. You've got a great God that stands with you, stands on your side. Deuteronomy 10, 17. For the Lord our God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, a great uh, great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. Psalm 24, verse 8. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. God wants to do the same for us today, to have victory in our life. He wants us to understand that he's a great God. God is looking for a man, a woman, a young person who's willing to walk by faith through whom he can demonstrate his power. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 9. Here God is talking to a king Asa was the, was the king, and he, Asa was a, a king who, who started walking with God. He was a righteous king, and uh, God demonstrated how great he was when he had a great host that came against him, and he overcame the, the enemy. So another group came up, and Asa thought, well, you know what? i got to do something about this. So he goes and he hires some mercenaries instead of going to his God. And so we come down to verse number 8. He says, We're not the Ethiopians uh, and the uh, Lubians, a huge host 
with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. May I share with you that God's watching. He's looking for a righteous man, a righteous uh, woman, a, a righteous young person who's willing to walk with him and to ask him to do things. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's looking for people. Sad that he doesn't find a whole bunch of people. Can you imagine what God can do? He's looking for somebody. You say, well, God should just do it. No, he's looking for people through whom he can work. And here, in this portion of Scripture, Joshua had seen the power of God. He, had, he knew that God was, was uh, looking to, to, uh, to demonstrate his power. And in, in verse number 1, we find that the kings, back in that portion where we were in Joshua chapter 11, the kings of the north and the kings of the, uh, uh, the northern part of Canaan had joined together to fight against Israel. Look back in verse number 1 of chapter 11. It came to pass when Jabin the king of Hazor and, uh, had heard those things that he sent to Joab, or Jobab, king of Madon, and the king of Shimron, and to the king of Akshaph, and to the kings that were in the north uh, of the mountains, in the plains south of Chinnereth, in the valley, and in the borders of Dor, in the west, and, the, and to the Canaanites on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Jebusite, and the mountains, and uh, to the Hivite under Hermon in the, the land of Mizpah. And they went out, they and all their host with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with, with uh, horses and chariots, very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched uh, together at the waters of Meron to fight against Israel. Boy, that's an obstacle. That's an obstacle that these people were facing. Jabin had heard. Uh, what did he hear? He heard how God had delivered the southern kings of Canaan into the hand of, of uh, Joshua and the children of Israel. He was not uh, going to sit back and, and do nothing. And folks, may I share with you? Today, we are in a spiritual battle. And if you think that Satan's going to sit back while you're trying to win people to Jesus Christ and to do something for God, you think he's going to sit back and just let you just go ahead and take that ground that he already owns. Folks, you are very much mistaken. You must realize that you are in a spiritual battle. And if we're going to see souls saved by faith, we need to go out and, and do what God says and try to win those people to Christ and get them to come to church. And, and you say, well, Pastor, I've, I've tried over and over and they haven't come to church. Hey, maybe this will be the time. Maybe this will be the time. Uh, that they'll start coming to church. This will be the opportunity that they'll come to your Sunday school class. Well, my Sunday school class only has a couple in there. Hey, why not be like Moody and look around for people that you can invite to your class to see what God can do. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that, they, that we ask or think. The enemy of Israel had banded together to fight against Israel. The Bible says that, the, that they were as the sand of the sea. Um, Josephus, who was the Jewish historian in uh, recording this battle, said that the Canaanites had 300,000 foot soldiers, 100,000 horses, and 20,000 chariots. That's an awful lot of people. 
Everything which a person would need in those days for a battle, they were ready in the world's mind. But you know what? God doesn't look at things the way the world looks at things. Look at, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 19. Oh, this world's got some wisdom. As I said before, out in California, they said, well, you know, we're going to give all the thieves $10,000, and then they won't steal anymore. Can I tell you something? They'll take the $10,000, and they'll still steal. How silly. How ridiculous. Well, as we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 19, look what it says. It says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. This, the, the, the people that are wise as far as this world is concerned, boy, we got things all figured out. I was listening this past week, and they were talking about this new bill that they were trying to pass in the Congress that uh, if there's ever going to be another pandemic like what we had, that they're going to automatically lock down for 180 days, and in 180 days they're going to come up with a vaccine, and that vaccine isn't going to have any testing. They're just going to start issuing it out to the people. Can you imagine what that would be all about? Whoa. Goodness. People with three heads instead of two or one. <laughs> this world is all messed up world's messed up. You know, this seems like a big obstacle, though, doesn't it? All these people, all this, these folk coming again. How would Joshua be able to fight against so many people? God allows obstacles to come across our path so that our faith can be increased, so that he can prove himself strong in our behalf. Think back with me, if you would, about the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus told the disciples, he said, have the people sit down. You know, they've been out here a long time. We need to feed the 5,000. And he said, you know, we need to feed the 5,000. And they said, well, how are we going to feed the 5,000? If we had 200 penny worth, penny worth, we wouldn't be able to feed it. They're looking at their, their money and what they had. They wouldn't be able to, to, to feed all those people with two, uh, 200 penny, a, a denarii a day, a day's wage. We wouldn't be able to feed all these people. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He was just testing to see where their faith was. They should have just come back and said, well, Jesus, I don't know. What are you going to do? That's what they should have done. It's, it's your responsibility. You, you, you know, but what we do is we look at when things come our way and we have obstacles, we look at ourselves and how in my own limited ability, how am I going to get this done instead of looking this way? God, how are you going to do it? I don't know. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And you know, he provided for the 5,000 men. Some say, well, there was, you know, there's a men. It didn't say anything about women. The women were probably there and two kids. So you have 5,000 and you got a wife for all those people. That would be another 5,000. That's 10,000. And maybe a couple of kids, you might have had upward to 20,000 20, people. That's speculation. I don't know. We do know there was 5,000 men. 5,000, if you just if they all just dropped in on and Galilee Baptist Church, that would be quite a thing. Could you imagine? Hey, burritos for everybody. Hey, let's swap those burritos, you know. Uh, the Lord knows how to take care of those needs. He just does. How about that storm on the sea? In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, 
the, the disciples were in the boat. The, the water is coming into the boat. The boat's sinking. Jesus is asleep. Man, isn't that wonderful? The Lord is asleep. How in the world can you sleep? Last night, we were at one of those blow-up mattresses because all of our mattresses were in the back of the trucks and as we're getting ready to leave out. So we got one of these blow-up mattresses, and they said, you know, this is the primo, the top of the line. It'll be great. You know those mattresses? Some of those people, I think, tell lies. Because when one person sits on it and another person gets and it rolls over, it kind of wants to roll you right off the bed. And so it's so bad, our poor little dog, he didn't know what was going on in the middle of the night. He's getting, he's getting, I think he's getting seasick. He get down on the floor, he start whining in the middle of the night, and uh, <laughs> probably seasick. Probably should have given him one of those nauseine or something like that to help calm him down. But you know what? Here are the disciples, and these are some of these people are fishermen, and, and they're out there, and they come to the Lord. I could imagine wake him up. I mean, we're about ready to drown. I, we can't see how this is going to go out good for us. And Jesus is asleep. Water all around. Can I tell you what? When Jesus is in the boat, you don't have to worry. Jesus is in the boat. You're safe. All he got up and did was, peace be still. You behave yourself, wind. Settle down. Oh, you know, we just had one of those major storms come through, and they were just wondering how it was all going to turn. Could you imagine if Jesus was down in Florida? And it was headed his way, and the disciples were all worried. And What should we do, Jesus? Should we board up our doors and everything? Stop right now. It's gone. Calm sea. Can I tell you something? That's our God. The storms of life, he's able to calm. He's able to give peace. The winds may be blowing in our life. The waves may look like we're going to be capsized. But if Jesus is on board, you have nothing you need to fear. This seemed like a big obstacle for Joshua but his God was greater than his obstacle. How would we ever know how great our God is if we only had little challenges in life? When we're faced with obstacles which appear to be overwhelming and our God delivers us, we can point to him and say, boy, our God is a great God. A young man was fascinated by a moth and he performed a little experiment to see what would happen if it was released from the cocoon with a, without having that struggle. You know, those little caterpillars get in there and they, they go through that metamorphosis and, and they push and they push and, they, and all of that and all of a sudden they come out as a butterfly or a moth. So the little boy, what he did is he took a little knife and he cut the, the cocoon to make it a little easier for the moth. However, it had none of the, ex the, the expected color that it would normally have. And it could not fly. And soon it died. As the boy thought about this, he concluded that the pressure exerted on the, the emerging moth is essential for its proper development yay to its, to its very existence. And as he studied a little bit learned, later, he learned that through this moss struggle to free itself, its body fluids are stimulated and the luster is developed on its wings. So too, we Christians, through life's pressures, can produce 
positive results in our life. Pastor, I don't like the things that I'm going through. I don't like the struggles that I'm having to face. It's really difficult. It's hard. Oh, I understand. But you know what? God is more concerned about your faith and making your faith strong. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse number 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now verse 2 of chapter 1. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein he greatly, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. They were going through some great trials. That the trial of your faith may uh, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Hey, your faith is far more important to God than gold. Oh, pastor, if I just had gold, everything would be hunky-dory. No, you wouldn't. God is not worried about gold. He's the creator of all that. He's concerned about your faith. And he allows the struggles and the trials of life to come so that you can become a strong believer, one who believes this book, one who believes in your God, one who clings to your God in the midst of a, a difficult time, that God is the one who's going to see you through. I want you to notice the second point. God's word encourages faith. Go back there to first, or excuse me, to Joshua chapter 11 and verse number 6. Oh, they saw this great host that come out against them. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid. Because of them, for tomorrow about this time I will deliver them all, uh, deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hew their horses, and burn their chariots with fire. This is a great army before Joshua and Israel, and God just speaks and gives them encouragement. Three things are said of, by God: Be not afraid. The enemy was on their home turf. You know, in sports, when people are on their home turf. It kind of gives them, they say it gives them an advantage. But God told Joshua, don't be afraid. The enemy would be defeated on their own home turf. You might be fearful today at your school or at your workplace, at your home. Afraid to stand for the Lord. The unsaved are all around you. You're on their turf. But our God says, be not afraid. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can stand for the Lord. You and the Lord make a majority. God said, secondly, I will deliver them up all slain before Israel in verse 6. They were promised total victory. I'm going to deliver them all up to you. What a joy to be on the winning side. Could you imagine going into a sports game, whether it be basketball or football or, or whatever, and the Lord just says, hey, let me just tell you, you're on the winning side. 
So just play like it. Just play like it. Boy, you know what? Every, you know, your passes would just be caught on the other end. And, and you'd see on the, the scoreboard, you guys won. Hey, but you know what some people would do if they knew that they were on the winning side? This is what they would do. They'd slack off. They wouldn't work as hard. See, God, is, God had promised them he was going to do the work. He was going to give them the victory. But they still had to go into battle and fight. And folks, you know what? All of us have to get into the battle and fight. You've heard me say so many times, don't be a spectator and sit on the side and expect God to do something. God expects you to be a participant. Get involved in the things of God. Work in his ministry. Work in trying to win people for Jesus Christ. Work for the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. And God will give you victory as you do so. And notice the third thing that God says. Thou shalt hew all their horses and burn their chariots. That word hew means to cut the sinew on the thigh. The sinews, once cut, cannot be healed. Some might look at this and say, well, why not keep the horses? Well, God had given strict instruction on this matter. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16, it says, But he shall not, talking to the kings of Israel, shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. If they gathered a large number of horses, they might start depending upon their horses rather than depending upon God. And folks, you know what? You and I, we can start depending upon ourselves and depending upon our wealth and depending upon our things rather than depend upon God. But folks, today we need to depend upon God. Without him, without Jesus, ye can do nothing. Jesus said in John 15, 5. Burn the chariots, same thing. They might start looking on what they were doing and what they had rather than on God in their time of need. You know, there are those who look to their wealth and their goods in their time of need, and they fail to look to God. God sometimes removes what we're relying on so that the only one you'll look to is to him. You might be, you might, it might be a job. Well, I'm looking to my job. If I don't have my job, how am I going to pay my bills? I was talking this morning to the dear lady down at the market down here, and she was saying that she had been uh, working for a good number of years, and she said, you know, when I came to work down here, uh, they worked, I'm a Christian, and I want to be off on Sundays and uh, go to church for nine years. She'd been working there, and uh, guess what? Every Sunday, the people had them work on that Sunday, on Sundays. They'd let other people, young people, new people be off, but the Christians repeatedly, they'd have work on Sunday. I told her today as we were just talking, she said, uh, she asked, I said, well, this is the last time I'm going to pick up donuts from you. She said, really, what's going to happen? I said, I'm moving to Delaware. She said, you know what? Here in just a little bit, I'm leaving too. I've been here. I've worked for many years. And she said, you know, I've just made up my mind, decided it's time for me to say, hey, you know what? I'm done working on Sundays. I said, you know what? When you honor God, God will honor you. She says, you know, it's amazing. God's been providing all sorts of things for me. She says, uh, we were talking about selling houses and stuff. She says, you know, uh, I'm going to put my house on the market. And, and I don't know how all this is going to play out. I said, but you know what? 
One thing, I said, I'm glad you made that decision because God will take care of you. So we had a little word of prayer there in the supermarket and, and just prayed God would bless her as she goes. Hey, what a wonder. Hey, God's going to do some great things. God will do great things when you take a stand with Jesus Christ, to stand on his side. You say, well, pastor, what's the principle then on this? God works, God's word strengthens our faith. Remember, God said, hey, I'm going to deliver tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you. It was his words that encouraged the life of Joshua. How does God speak to us today? Through his word. Oh, my friend, I pray that you would fall in love with the word of God. Because God's word will bless your heart. It will encourage you when you're going through difficult times. When you don't know what direction or how to go, God's word will give you strength to your faith. Hebrew, or Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God's word will strengthen your faith. We read how, how others stood for the Lord, like David and Joshua and Moses and Paul. Uh, we can stand like they, they did on God's word. We read about the greatness of our God in Luke 137. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You know what it does? It gives us courage. We read promises of God like 1 John 2, 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. I have eternal life. Life without end. That's a promise from my God. My faith is built upon the promises of God and his word. How can you be so confident about knowing you have life after this life? Because my God promised it in his word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 as God said to, to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Folks, you know what? God's grace, his loving kindness is sufficient for whatever you face. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It is the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, my friend, don't you understand that the compassions of God are new every morning? God shows himself so great and so loving and so kind. Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It causes us to take another step with confidence. Confidence not in our own strength but in the strength of our God. God wants us to take a step of faith, to live for him. Do you need confidence today? Why not look to God's word? Do you need strength today? Why not look to God's word? Do you need your faith to be stronger? Look to God's word, folks. God will strengthen you through his word. Notice, thirdly, and we close, close today, Faith tested results in faith strengthened. Verse number 7. So Joshua came, and all the people of war with him against them by the waters of Merom suddenly, and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who smote them and chased them into the great, into the great Zidon and into Mizrothamim, uh, and into the valley of Mizpah eastward, and they smote them 
until they left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. He hewed their horses and burnt their chariots with fire. The Lord did what he said. You can count on the Lord to do what he says. He's a faithful God. Joshua and the people did what they were told. They hewed the horses. They burned the chariots. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Folks, tonight as we conclude, we won't be able to avoid the various obstacles in life. But God uses the obstacles to strengthen our faith. You're getting ready to face an obstacle, you might think. New preacher coming in to preach. Oh, folks, don't you understand? That's an obstacle where God can prove himself strong in your behalf. If you'll just go to him and you'll do what God says and you'll follow your preacher and you'll continue to follow his word, God is trying to strengthen your faith through the trial that you're facing. Let God strengthen your faith. Are you looking for... Uh, looking? to God's word as a means of strengthening your faith. Some of us, we need to be in the word more today. What you're facing, what's coming your way, you need to be in the word of God more today and the coming days to hear God speak and reassure you that all things are okay. Do you lack boldness to stand for the Lord? Let God strengthen your faith through his word. Read it, believe it, and stand on it. Folks, your faith is precious. Your God is great. Let's live for him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for this great portion of scripture which challenges our faith to walk not in the things that are seen, but in the things that are not seen by faith. Lord, to trust you, that you know the path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct our paths. Father, I pray tonight that these dear people here would be men and women of faith, young people of faith, that they would step out in faith and trust you, and Lord, believe that you're going to do great and mighty things by your power, by your strength. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, as the instrument begins to play, maybe tonight, you just need to tell the Lord, Lord, you know what? I believe that you're going to do something great here at this church by faith. Why not pray and ask God to do something great? Prayer works, my friend. You can't see it, but it moves the hand of God. And right now, while you're praying, Pray that souls will be saved, that people's lives will be changed, and people will be helped for the cause of Christ. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to come. I'll be here in front. Love to talk to you about salvation. You can know Jesus tonight. Maybe you know friends and loved ones that you need to share the gospel with. Their time is short. Why not use your time wisely for the Lord? Time's just going to play another time.